Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing on this Sunday morning? I'm doing good. Uh, how's it feel to have some actual talking points about a lot of these teams now? This is this is a big this is a big game yeah. for us ish. This is a major. This is our first S like road. I almost said SEC road game just because how oh, entrenched you're, you're, you're I am. Full, your full time job is, is clouding your mind right now. I'm entrenched in the SEC now because <laughs> I'm terrified for when LSU goes on the road. That's 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 why. <laughs> so they, they beat like Kentucky and Tennessee at home, and I'm like, yeah. That's cool, yeah. but like, just like go over there in Florida real quick. Let's see how that goes. But anyways, um, yeah, we have a lot to talk about. I mean, the Texas Tech men's, Texas Tech women, both get some huge wins. Uh, talk Texas A&M. Uh, was mm-hmm. I wrong about them? Uh, and then yeah, some some other talk about the the whack is being wacky and uh, and yeah, I came up with that on the spot. That was pretty good. Oh and my then, god! All right, down. <laughs> And yeah, that's pretty much it. So uh, let's get into it. We have one women's game to talk about. There wasn't a ton of uh, fascinating women's uh, games across the board this week, but there was one and it was a big one and it was Texas Tech and Texas. Uh, The game was at Texas and I watched it um, after the fact because you texted me. I don't remember what night it was. And I was coming home from the gym and you texted me, Texas Tech. And I was like, I saw that their men were beating Iowa State or yeah, co- yeah. close to them. And I was like, it was close to, I think they were like, they had like, they were shorthanded. They had like seven players, the men did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they were without Shannon McCuller. And we'll get into them, um, that in a second. But then you were like, no, the women. And I was yeah. like, wait, what? And so I scroll over and Texas Tech is blowing the doors off of Texas like by 20 in the fourth quarter. And I was like, wait, 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 timeout. Wait, what happened here? So I go and watch the game after the fact. So the game was on Wednesday, January 5th. I end up watching on Friday, I believe. Yeah. Um, where do you want to start with this? Because my main takeaway from this game was that the fact that they were, let me get the free throw count, 44 for Texas Tech and 19 for Texas. Not saying that the disparity was because of refereeing. I don't. Uh, operate like that but because texas tech just kept getting to the free throw line and it was um a crazy and a very weird game to watch yeah i i, I kind of yeah i agree with that i i was like you i watched it the next day on thursday because of course this game was on longhorn network and for some reason they're putting i i hate when they put big 12 games on longhorn network but um i don't get longhorn network so i was keeping track of the score live and so the next day especially when i found out they won uh, watched it and it kind of showed how Texas's front court is kind of an issue still. Um, you know, a lot of easy looks for tech inside. If they weren't, like you mentioned, if they weren't getting looks, they were getting to the line. Um, I think the other thing was that for the first time, really, you saw healthy Vivian Gray and Brianna Scott. And that was like, that was massive. Obviously, Vivian Gray was kind of the the alpha in in this game, but Brianna Scott, I believe, finished five of six for twenty one points, um, two of three from three point range, nine of ten from the free throw line. Like she was able to just have another creator on the floor. And all season we've been wondering, okay, well, is she healthy? Is she going to get healthy? Is you know what's the team going to look like with her in there with Vivian Gray? And we see it. Like we see yep. the team that's able to attack and consistently get to the line and, and take on one of the best defenses um, in, in the, in the nation. And Vivian Gray, of course, had 17 free throws. I didn't even realize, I didn't even look at the, the final tally for her till now um, 13 to 17 from the free throw line. And 
I don't know. This is a team that has two capable scorers from the wing that can, you know, get inside and create shots for themselves. It was absurd. And so from a Texas perspective, I think you bring up a good point because a lot of what they do is kind of predicated on their perimeter defense mm-hmm. in a sense, right? Rory Harmon, uh, Joanne Allen Taylor, Audrey Warren, um, even Aliyah Matharu. They're, they're kind of just like pests on the outside. But once you break them down a bit and you get inside, it's like Lauren Ebo, Deona Gaston. Um, I mean, they're fine. Latasha Lattimore's a big girl, but they only end the game with four blocks. Yeah. And you allow 44 free throws. Like I had nine by by the way. Nine yeah. Blocks. They yeah. they just felt like somehow they were getting out physical and it mm-hmm. felt like they were Taylor Thomas for Texas Tech. I want to give her a shout out. I thought she was really good, mm-hmm. um, especially in the early portion of the game. She ends the game with four offensive rebounds um, and five fouls, but it doesn't even matter because she just has 13 rebounds as well. So it was a it was a very slow paced game. Like if anybody wants to go back and watch it, it was a game where mm-hmm. like it was a lot of like just stop free throw possession, stop free throw possession, stop. Right. And you could tell it was driving Vic Schaefer crazy. And then you had the ultimate interaction at halftime between Gerlich and um, I just blanked on it. I just said Vic Schaefer. Schaefer. (laughs) And that was, I don't even know exactly what it was about. I I kind of read it. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I think uh, Danny Davis tweeted out the kind of, he, I think he asked um, Vic Schaefer about it after the game and then there's somebody did. And he tweeted out that it was basically like, I think towards the end of the half, Krista Gerlich wanted to get Tech's starters back in. And I think something on their end messed up with the scores table or some, there was a miscommunication somewhere on the Tech bench and they couldn't, the scores table weren't weren't letting them sub them back in. And so she was angry at them. And then Vic Schaefer kind of, you know, got defensive of his, you know, those were his people, right? And so like he went at her for going at them basically more and then i think the quote was I'm, I'm paraphrasing here but more or less saying like you don't go at them from a mistake you made right yeah and so um that's where that came up and then after the game everything apparently was fine krista Gerlich said everything you know he was very complimentary of the team afterward and all that but it was like a really there's a great photo that danny tweeted out with the quote that's just like krista Gerlich like glaring at vic shaper and like her mouth's out open like shouting something and uh, Vic Schaefer's kind of like you can tell he can't see his mouth but you can tell he's probably saying something back and uh I, I, I it was funny because Krista Gerlich doesn't have an accent but I imagine her with an accent when I look at that photo <laughs> like 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 I imagine like a very distinct Texan accent like saying something back at Vic Schaefer she doesn't have one if you've ever heard her talk but the, the first time I heard that fo- this I saw that photo I was like if there is a Texan accent in her it came out in that in the that very stuff. Texas photo Right. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so we're, we're giving a lot of praise to Texas Tech, and I think they deserve it because this is a big win. Mm-hmm. And then they go and lose to Oklahoma State in the next game yeah. on Saturday. So and they lose 57 to 55. Obviously, I did, I did not watch this game. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a lot to talk about, but it's a game where then Brammer Scott plays 15 minutes. Uh, Vivian Gray only scores nine points. Taylor Thomas scores three. Uh, Lexi Hightower has to come in and score 16 points on 67 shooting. I really, I like the depth depth of this team a lot now mm-hmm. at full strength. Like didn't even mention Caddy, uh, Khadijah Faye. Yeah. It's really good. Riley McKinney's playing about 10 to 15 minutes a game. They got eight, nine players. Bryn Gerlich's coming off the bench. Like yeah, eight, nine players here that I really trust. So yeah. now it's just yeah. about putting it together and becoming consistent because not for nothing, they're one and two in conference play at this point. And the one win is great, but it's you got to find some consistency at some point. Yeah, I think I mean, I think this is going to I think it's more or less going to be this team. I think this is going to be a team that has some pretty good highs and may stumble against teams that you probably think they should beat or against 50, you know, those 50 50 games um, just because there's so much uncertainty behind Gray and Scott's health. Um, you know, I think there's still some depth. There's still some front court issues here. Right. You mentioned uh, some of the players that I like, um, but consistently night to night, you know, who knows? Uh, I do think this is a team that's very strengthened on the on the backcourt. Um, they're still one of the top offenses in the country. I believe uh, Krista Gerlich has them about top 20 for field goal percentage. Um, and But they're still a team that still struggles on the on the glass for the most part. Um, they're not the they're, – they're a solid defensive team, but they give up some pretty good looks from three. 
Uh, they give up some offensive boards. They still turn the ball over quite a bit. So like, I don't know. I think this is a team that's going to be kind of a, uh, an oddly low floor, high ceiling, kind of that like huge, there's a huge uh, uh, kind of uh, range for them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be fascinating because as you know, if, if Scott and Gray can stay healthy, then, you know, of course they're going to finish towards the top of the big 12, but if they're kind of nursing them still up and down, they're still playing like these random 15 minute games here and there. I, I don't know. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see where they fall. Yeah. Uh, last thing I have on this game, I'm just scrolling through my notes. Tech really sat in a two, three zone. For those who didn't watch, they really just packed it in and Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, they have these, they have solid bigs. They don't have that post player that they can really just go to and just throw it to and really mm-hmm. force problems. And their post players aren't great passers just from yeah. the looks of it. They were getting doubled and kind of turning it over or forcing a shot. Um, Aliyah Mathara only played 22 minutes, which I thought was n- not nearly enough. And I don't know if she was hurt or the situation mm-hmm. exactly, but she looked fine on the court. She just didn't play. Then yeah. Schaefer realized he was like, okay, we're going to only way we can break this down because Roy Harmon can't get in the paint really. They're, they were just packing it in basically. Right, and right. the only way is we're by shooting threes. So he puts in Aliyah Matharu. He puts in a lineup with like Matharu, uh, Shea Holly. And um, who was the other one that she brought in? Joanne Allen Taylor was on the court. So you had those Mm -hmm. three and like Roy Harmon, you had like just your shooters basically on the court and it kind of brought them back, but it wasn't enough to consistently um, win them the game. So that was, those were a couple of other, my takeaways Um, just looking through it. Um, Yeah. The post-ups just aren't going to work for Texas. I don't think against most teams. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. uh, On to the men. Uh, these two teams again uh, let's start with Texas Tech Texas Tech uh, we haven't talked about them a ton recently I don't think um, mm-hmm. on the men's side they like we said they're down a lot of players uh, against Iowa State especially I think they were down to seven uh, no Shannon no McCuller um, I don't remember the other ones was Bacho not out there either I don't think so uh, but anyways uh, yeah, it, was, it was a lot just put it that way yeah it was a lot uh, and they hang, they hung with Iowa State on the road, and I wasn't expecting that. But this is a team that it's pretty clear that their defense travels. Their defense yeah, is so here's, everywhere. Here's the here's the they they started, their starting lineups kind of dire. Uh, Adonis Arms, Clarence Natalie, uh, O'Banner, Davion Warren, Bryson Williams. And then Marco Santos Silva and KJ Allen. They basically had no guards. Like <laughs> those are like all forwards, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so Adonis Arms had to play 40 minutes. Clarence right. Natalie played uh, 36. Yeah. Yeah, they were down a bunch of guards. Um, and in the second half, they actually outscored Iowa State 28-21. How good Iowa State is, I think is up for uh, open for conversation at this point. Because uh, mm-hmm. they did lose again last night to who was it to? Um, they lost to uh, Oklahoma by thirteen, mm-hmm. so they're now zero and three to start conference play. I'm sorry, they beat Texas Tech, but it didn't feel like a win. So, um, yeah, the defense travels. That's the main thing here. Their toughness travels, and I have like a bigger question that I want to ask after this. But they did. Texas Tech goes then and beats Kansas. Mm-hmm. and I watched the first half of this game because then the second half LSU played. But in the first half, I was like, there's no way they can keep this up. Like, right. you're you're sitting here telling me that they don't have their top two scorers and Kansas is pretty much fully loaded, and Jalen Wilson's playing well, and Obaji's playing well, and Texas Tech's just going to win this game, like, because of heart or something like that. <laughs> and they did. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. 75-67, and it was a game where Tech was in control the whole way. Bryson Williams, 22 points. Our boy from UTEP finally is showing up in a Big 12 game. Um, O'Banner only scored seven. I don't even think he played that well. Like, uh, Davion Warren is seven, and they just won the game because they held Kansas to 67 points, and I did not see that coming. Yeah, they. I mean, like, the defense was aggressive. The By the way, shout out to – the, the home court advantage that that place was rocking like I loved that that whole environment in Lubbock and you could tell when at the end of the first half when they realized like oh we're controlling this game like the crowd really started to kind of shift and take control um but yeah like this was this was just kind of a methodical 
like not even in a way that we were we saw them under Chris Beard in my opinion because like it was just kind of a the way that this team was able to win was almost like I don't know they didn't because they, they played decent defense but like Kansas got some pretty good looks and things like that but it was like the offensive execution right it was like the half court where they were really just kind of able to just slice and dice Kansas which isn't what I'm used to saying for for tech um and when you know when they made this hire for for Mark Adams you know it was kind of like oh they're continuing that defense right they're going to continue that no middle defense they're going to continue what he and Chris Beard kind of started there but they've almost, I mean, they've, they've maintained that, but they've added, and I think that comes with some of the players like O'Banner and Bryson Williams, and they've added just like a scoring punch to where in the half court, things don't look bad, painful. right? Things look, yeah, right. We'll get to painful in a bit, um, but like things look fluid and like, you know, they had Bryson Williams setting high screens and like popping out for three and all this stuff. And it's like, Okay, like, okay, like this is stuff that we didn't see from tech previously, right? They didn't have a big who could step out from three and reliably hit hit a three-pointer. And, and you know, Bryson Williams hit some big shots. And then um, when it came down to it, him and O'Banner were, were down low or Santos Silva was down low and like, you know, rebounding and getting offensive boards. I think there was one sequence where Bryson Williams was at the line, missed, got his own offensive rebound, went back up, missed. And then I think uh, Santos Silva got it and then like laid it up for an and one. And so it's like, okay, they didn't have like that type of fire in like, in addition to the scoring punch is like, I don't know, we're like in uncharted territory with like Texas Tech right now. And this is all without Terrence Shannon, you know? Yeah, they, they all rebounded the hell out of Kansas. I mean, yeah. I don't know. David McCormick played for Kansas, played 14 minutes. Mitch Lightfoot played 10 minutes. Jalen Wilson mm-hmm. played 32. I I don't know the front court situation of Kansas, but to be out-rebounded by that much, uh, by Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner, are the only two with over four rebounds. So it was really just those two. Mm-hmm. I, hey, I mean, you take the guards away from Texas Tech and O'Banner and Williams have to play well, and they go and do it. So yeah. all credit to Mark Adams and this team for, for getting that, uh, that win and getting to one-on-one in conference play. And now they have Baylor on January 11th. So Tuesday. And now, like, I mean, like, of course, Baylor looks like a machine right now. But now it's like, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to be a sneaky close game. I don't think Tech will win that one. But, like, if this comes out to be like one of, like, we saw Iowa State, where it's like a shorthanded Tech or if, they're, or if they get a little more players back, I wouldn't be shocked now just because they're, they're doing it. They're getting the job done, you know. Are you saying a shorthanded uh, Iowa State is the same as Baylor? Hundred percent. No, I'm jo- no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Just making sure we're on the same page there. Good. <laughs> right, right, right. I did think I thought TCU. I didn't watch this game, and we don't have it on the docket. But I did think TCU was going to keep it. The spread was ten, and I was like, honestly, I can see TCU covering that against Baylor. I just, you know, maybe they can. I, it was at TCU. I was like, maybe they hang around, and they did. But they mm-hmm. ended up losing by yeah. twelve, so they didn't even cover the spread. So yeah. can't give you credit, TCU. Sorry. <laughs> maybe next time. Um, yeah. All right, let's talk uh, perhaps the biggest game of on the men's side. Mm-hmm. Texas loses to Oklahoma State. This was Ooh, something, wasn't oh, it? Man. And we had kept talking about on the we, – we refused to talk about Texas on this podcast until they played an actual team. Yes. We were like, nope, I don't care about your wins over depleted West Virginia. I don't care about your win over depleted Kansas State. I don't care about your win over Incarnate Word. They mm-hmm. have – let me see if it's gone up at this point. But through the non-conference, they had pretty much the worst strength of schedule in the country. We're like, you know what? Mm-hmm. We need to see them against a good team. And Oklahoma State is a solid team. If nothing else, they play great defense. They have Avery Anderson, who played at uh, Northwest, uh, who I've seen – who I saw a bit when uh, I was up in the North Texas region. Got some Isaac solid Lightley. players. What was that Isaac likely as well? Yep, likely. From, um, I believe uh, uh, Timberview. I think he went to Mansfield Timberview. There you go. There you go. And so Texas goes and plays Oklahoma State on the road. Obviously, it's a tough game for anybody to play Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State, regardless of the year. And Texas, they they had they just they did what Texas does. They put up fifty one points ish. They put up 51 freaking points. And Oklahoma State's a good defense. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like, yeah. Oklahoma State is a really – every single year, last year and this year, they are a good defense. But 
I want you to start here because I have a little bit of just anger at this point from what mm-hmm. from what Texas is, mm-hmm. and I want you to start because you're more level-headed than me. So I, th- <laughs> I think that what when Chris Beard came in, right? I think everybody knew Chris Beard's um, uh, his style, right? Let's just say, and. Me, I was wondering, like, because because it happened with Shaka Smart, where Shaka Smart was known for one thing, and he goes to Texas and changes that up, and it doesn't work, right? He's known for havoc, he's known for press, he's known for all this stuff. He goes to Texas, changes all that up, obviously it doesn't work out, and I was like, oh, I don't know why you hire Shaka Smart at that point. To me, when they hired Chris Beard, I thought this was them, them saying, okay, we're okay being Virginia, right? As long as we win... We'll play a certain style of basketball that's not the most fun to watch. I think what Texas fans, then Texas fans started seeing the transfers come in. Ooh, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of Trey Mitchell. Ooh, okay. Maybe ask you, is Chris Beard going to change up, right? Is he going to change up to fit these guys? Because I I think some Texas fans may have thought that. It's like, oh, we're bringing in these scoring players, right? We're going to bring in this, this score first point guard like Marcus Carr is going to be a little bit more freelance, a little bit more up and down, things like that. In my mind, I'm like, no. How was Marcus Carr going to fit Chris Beard? That was my question. It wasn't about Chris Beard changing. And that's still the question. Like, that's so what I, I saw on Twitter so many, t- oh, this half court offense and blah, 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 blah. And oh my gosh, this is, this is abhorrent to watch. And I just kept looking for a tech fan in the comments saying, like, yeah, like, what, what do you expect? <laughs> like, this is, this is what you signed up for. And I think the problems right now are personnel fit. I think that I, again, I really do. Um, Chris Beard has a track record of making the system work as ugly as it is to watch. I think the issue is Marcus Carr is not a playmaking point guard. I think that they need, they don't have really reliable three and D guys to where in the sense that I think those old tech teams did where you just had guys who were willing to get grimy and then hit occasional threes. Um, I've said it since the beginning. I think Timmy Allen's the only guy that really fits Chris Beard. Um, and it showed in this game, right? Marcus Carr played terribly. Like he was one for six, right? And you, that's your lead guard. He had three assists, three turnovers, right? Um, Timmy Allen was their leading scorer with Andrew Jones. I think Andrew Jones, as much as, you know, people think he might not physically be able to be up for it. I think he is the, I think he still is a Chris Beard type of player in terms of being able to hit big shots when they need them, being able to play decent enough defense and being able to not get phased out of a game or get like pushed out of a game basically. Um, but that's it. Everybody else basically played pretty badly in this game, in my opinion. And I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt because I think this is a personnel issue. Granted, this are his guys that he brought in. How right? is this a personnel issue? I think, I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I, I think, and it again, is. this is, this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in. Right. But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his can't, part. You can't, you can't, you cannot whiff with this much talent. You cannot whiff when you get an all Pac-12 player, Marcus Carr. Ten, Big Ten, sorry, you said Pac-12. Big ten. Marcus yeah, Carr, Big yeah. Ten. I'm sorry. The, you can't, you can't whiff at Texas with this. Like this sure, is sure. not. This isn't like oh one off next year get him. Like this is they bring him in with the track record. And I think everything you said is, is great and accurate. Cause I think it's a lot more calculated than what I would have just said. And you bring, you return Ramey, you return um, Jones, uh, you bring in Bishop out. They were without Trey Mitchell. We'll talk. Sure. That's something I guess, but at the end of the day, I don't even think it's just a fit issue. I mean, this is just poor coaching. This is a system that he has in place. At some point, you have to be malleable. And we've talked about this before on podcasts. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to ch- change to do something. Mm-hmm. Coaches talk about change every single day, every single week about improvement yeah. as a coach and evaluating themselves as a coach. And now we're sitting here where a team with probably a top th- one of the three most offensively gifted teams in the country is putting up 51 points. Mm-hmm. And just, it, I don't care who you're going against. I don't care 
what defense you're facing. 51 right. points. I, I, I just watched LSU put up 79 on Tennessee. Like, yeah. and LSU doesn't have half the offensive talent that Texas has. Like, this is this is outrageous. And Marcus Carr, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I'm putting just as much blame on Chris Beard at this point. And it's pretty clear to me that Marcus Carr has no, I don't want to say no interest, but just is like, like. I mean, he this, is who he is, right? He's a scoring point guard. Yeah. And like, like this offense isn't conducive to, to scoring point guards. When, yeah. when teams can, when teams realize, and you saw against Oklahoma State where they shifted to a zone at one point in the second half because they realized like, oh, like the way they space the floor or really don't space the floor, um, uh, Texas does. You know, Marcus Carr doesn't have driving. They're, they're not really worried about Texas. Is, this offense isn't made to give Marcus Carr space, right? And Marcus yeah. Carr to free him up, right? This isn't last year's Baylor where they space the floor, go four out, one in, and they just kind of like, you know, they, they, can, they can switch and they can, you know, uh, uh, kind of get the matchup they want and go one-on-one, right? This is like very much like methodical work the ball around Marcus Carr is going to, or ideally whoever's running point, but the whoever's running point is going to find the right pass and get the motion going. And it's like, again, if you don't, this is the type of offense that we saw it against uh, uh, a couple of years ago with Virginia, right. Where it's like, if you fall behind and the defense isn't on point, it's hard to come back with this offense. Yes. Right. Like as we saw in Virginia, when they lost to, uh, I forgot who they lost to. UMBC. In the first round a years. Don't disrespect yeah, UMBC. U- <laughs> it's my bad. Sorry. Uh, UMBC, where they get down and the defense is a little bit off its day, right? Not even like crazily off, um, but a little bit off its day. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, we don't know how to come back because we're not a really good shooting team. We don't like to push the ball that much. And so you kind of you're trading twos for threes basically, which is what happened in this game. A lot of the time, uh, Oklahoma state went eight of 17 from three and Texas was trying to get the ball into Dylan DeSue. And it's like, I, you know, like what, you know, he, granted he was one of their, he was one of their reliable players with Timmy Allen, but it's like, I get it. But like, dude, y'all gotta, y'all gotta hit shots and y'all gotta hit threes. Right. Um, and Texas granted wasn't hit shooting well from threes. And I think that's another problem is they don't have reliable three point shooters. Um, uh, I mentioned players that weren't fits. I think Trey Mitchell's a better fit. Um, and they, he was missing, obviously. He's weirdly one of their other reliable three-point shooters, which is another problem. But um, I think they really missed him in this game because they do space the floor a lot better with him. But um, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I agree that we've been waiting for this team to not play a good team because they've played Gonzaga and Seton Hall, but they've lost those games, right? And so we've been waiting for like a signature win. And Oklahoma State is a decent team, right? They can, you know, you can throw their record out or whatever, but they've played, their schedule's been good, right? Houston, Kansas, Xavier, those are good losses. Um, and they're, like you mentioned, they're a good defense that can, I'd say that match Texas, right? Texas has a, probably a higher defensive ceiling with Chris Beard, but, you know, Boynton, Boynton's been working with that that roster for a couple of years now. And so they're actually drilled in his system. So I'd say they're probably on level playing field in terms of familiarity um and texas had nothing to to you know to match up against that so i think it is an issue and i i seriously am terrified when they play baylor this team plays baylor um you know granted it's in another month we'll see what the team looks like then but they have oklahoma coming up we're recording this on the ninth Oklahoma is a very, very methodical offense that can absolutely carve this defense up if it's off its day. If, if I watch, and okay, this is, I, I, if I watch that Oklahoma team, and you've seen like the talent, the personnel on that Oklahoma team, if I watch that sure. Oklahoma team, like it's a good team. It no, is no, that, going that, to that's beat Texas. Much, Oklahoma yes, is yes, going uh, to beat Texas if Texas does not figure out its offense in the next two days. Like yes, Mo Gibson, North Texas great, might come in there and put up like ten and eight on them. Like I don't I was know. About what's say, you mentioned you mentioned kind of the the the. To me, it's it's been Oklahoma is a perfect testament to Porter Mosier's coaching, right? Because you look at the talent and you're like, okay, well this shouldn't work right now, 
right? Like Oklahoma's not untalented. Oklahoma's fun. They're, they're Oklahoma. They can recruit decently, but they, I think they finished like top 40 in Ken Palm last year. They're not like an untalented team, but you look at compared to Texas and you're like, okay, obviously Texas should be blowing this team out of the water, but you see what Porter Moser's doing there, right? And it's like, they're, you know, number four offense in Ken Palm, uh, number two, two point percentage offense. And they're just absolutely a machine in the half court. And I think, yeah, that's off. That's coaching, right? In the first year, Porter Moser's already doing that. And conversely, with Texas, where there's so many questions and we don't, you know, I, I don't know. Again, let me just put it this way for Texas fans who say that this team's bad to watch on offense. That's not changing. Let me just let me just put this. There's the only way this gets better. Well, I mean, let me put it this way. They can get better in this bad to watch offense. Right. Tech was tech was pretty ugly to watch, but they got the job done. That's kind of what the ceiling is offensively with Chris Beard to me. And that's always been the ceiling for Chris Beard. And I think that there's no excuse for this off against Seton Hall. They weren't bad, right? They just couldn't stop. For some reason, Seton Hall got hot from three and they just, you know, they blew them out um, or they didn't blow them out, but they lost from three. They didn't look bad. There's, there's moments in this season where this team's like, oh, this is so bad to watch. But then you look down, they're shooting like 52% from the floor, right? That's to me, that's not the issue is looking, looking bad. I'm doing air quotes with my fingers. Looking bad is not the issue. They're just not getting shots or getting good looks in the, for a stretch of games this has been going on. So, um, you know, the, you, you beat a depleted West Virginia, you, ble- you beat a depleted Kansas State. Cool. Congratulations, right? 2-0. and But then you play your first big test, and look what happens. Now, um, you mentioned it's not going to change, and we talked about them needing a little bit more beard personnel, right? Mm-hmm. I don't – that's not going to happen at Texas. I don't. That's, that, and he's that's not that going to recruit. He's not going to recruit lesser players, right? He's obviously sure. going to bring in the best players that he can get. He's not going to go out and look for a low four-star guy that is like a great defender that when he can go get a five-star dude, right? So that's well, that, not going to change. That's my thing. That's when when they hired Chris Beard. That's what I thought they were more or less okay with, right? Because like. Again, it goes back to the Shaka Smart thing where I was like, I don't know why you hire Shaka Smart if he's not going to run Havoc, right? Which is basically what he threw out the window when he got to Texas. You look at Chris Beard, look at the recruits he brought to Tech. He got a five-star in Namari Burnett. He did, yeah. And then he transferred, right? Because it's like, that's not what he does. He doesn't, that style, and I'm wondering if that if that becomes a problem for him, right? It's easy to like get Marcus Carr if you're saying, hey, Marcus, Trey Mitchell's coming, Dil- you know, Devin Askey's coming, right? It's easy to get these guys together when you're saying you're building a super team, right? Um, but what happens, I'm curious to see what happens after one year. And again, I'm looking at it right now, right? Texas is currently 12 and three, right? That is a good record. This is this is this is doomsday. I'm not saying everybody's going to transfer or whatever. I'm not saying anything like that, right? They could very well finish the season with 21 wins, you know, whatever. What I am saying is if he go if he tries to do something like this again, I don't know if it works because I think players will look at last year and be like, Marcus Carr averaged 10 less points at Texas, right? On, you know, he he was he didn't really fit. I still think Marcus Carr's a good player. I just don't think he's a good player for what Chris Beard wants his point guard to do. Um, and so I don't know, I don't like that Chris Beard would try to, and again, it's, it, you're right. It's the Texas thing, right? Texas wants to be Kentucky. And so I don't think Texas should be trying to be Kentucky. I think they should be trying to be Virginia. Yeah, but they Wisconsin. should be, but, but Texas with the resources they have has to get the players that it's capable of getting right. I'm yeah, not saying, I'm not saying pass on those guys. Right? I'm Marcus. saying like, if, if a Matthew Mayer who come, who went to Baylor, obviously who comes, comes through Westlake, of course you should get him. Right. But I'm saying like, that shouldn't be, you shouldn't try to be getting the five stars constantly up and down the, you know, again, you're not going to recruit like Duke. I, like, I, hear you, how you hear are. Here. I, I, I disagree with you. And I think you're giving beard too much of a pass here. If he is the coach that he is, if he's the coach that he is getting paid to be, and if he's the coach that we think he is, mm-hmm. You're, you're basically saying that he can't – he's not the coach uh, – he's not a top 20 coach because I can name 20 coaches that with this talent will win games. In well, the no, no, no. Here, here's, my, here's my thing. I could, I could say there are – I can name top my top five coaches. I don't think all those coaches 
win the same way with the talent. Like if you put Tony Bennett, I think Tony Bennett is a top 10 coach in this country, right? I keep mentioning Virginia because I think it is the very, the, the closest one-to-one to what I think the best case scenario, in my opinion, the best case scenario for what Chris Beard could do at like what he did at Tech, basically. Um, you look at Tony Bennett, you put Tony Bennett with Duke. Does that Duke team run exactly the same way? Win exactly the same way? I don't think so, right? If you put him with Villanova, I don't think, I think Jay Rat's obviously the best, play, the best coach in the country, but I don't think Tony Bennett wins with Villanova. I, that doesn't make him a bad coach with this Villanova team. That doesn't make him a bad coach. Yeah. I just think it, but again, it goes back to my point of Chris Beard got these players here. So yes, it is Chris Beard's fault in yes. some way. Right. Um, but I just, uh, it goes back to my thing about, I don't know why you hire Chris Beard. If, if you're pushing him and granted, he might not have been pushed, right. He might've just wanted these talent to play yeah. or whatever, but if you want to be this five-star factory, I don't know why you hire Chris Beard. Cause that's not what, at least that's not what his proven track record. Well, here, here's the other thing is yes. These are all like great players, five, like great player, five-star. Sure. These are also seniors. This sure. is one of the most veteran teams in the country. It's not like he has five-star freshmen coming in here. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, the, this is a situation where he should have been able to plug and play and win. And we, we said that coming into the season, we had them being the best team in the big 12, a top five team in the country. And while I, I agree with everything you're saying in that coaches play a certain style and I just, is if Beard's ceiling is really that low, to mm-hmm. where he can't win with a lot of talent, even if the talent might not exactly fit his system. We're looking at a major, major problem that Texas has, in my opinion. And I agree with everything you're saying. And I think he should be trying to get players that fit his system. Um, but at the end of the day, he is in Austin. And if they have, an, especially with all the NIO, with everything that they can do now to bring in quality players, him getting five stars and him getting this level of talent, I don't think is going to change. Now, yeah. can he, like we said, can he bring in players that fit his system better? Yes. Like a Jarrett Culver or go down the list of players. Can he bring in those type of players? Yes. But the fact that he can't do anything with Marcus freaking Carr <sighs> is, is a pretty big red flag to me. And I'm sure it's a red flag to other guards across the country looking at Texas like, oh God, it's like, like you said, Marcus Carr is averaging 10 less points per game at this point. So yeah. I, I just, I look at it. It is a, this is all on Chris Beard to me. And I don't, I don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt because it's infuriating to watch. And I'm not even a Texas fan like that. Like it's not, I can imagine what they're going through right now, having to watch this. So if they lose to Oklahoma, we have a brand new cell on the block. I'm ready for it because, man, if you just line up those Oklahoma and Texas teams, like at recess, you're yeah. like, oh, that team's going to win by 40. Right. But it, here we are where it's probably going to be like a one-possession game like going to the last minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yes. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest indictment so far is that, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned the, the record and we mentioned kind of how the strength of schedule kind of inflates that look at the losses and look at the wins of, of this team. Would Shaka Smart have anything different? I think that's the biggest indictment so far is that they're probably 12 and three, right? Gonzaga, Seton Hall, Oklahoma State. Um, if you yeah. look at like, I mean, at this point, I, and I don't even want to, I don't even know if this is a logical argument, but like last year's team to this point was playing better than this year's team. And obviously that's unfair. Well, I, because I would, I would, I would argue that they were playing. They played right. that team was more together. You're right. right? That, that team You're was right. like they added Greg Jones basically to like a team that existed. But right, you 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 parted ways to get better, right? You parted ways to step up a yeah. level. Um, and I mean, the only hope is that you know in in February and March this team's the team's playing better, right? This is just it's it's flowing better. It looks a little better. Um, I do think there's another level this team can get to defensively. Because I think that's we're talking about the offense, right? And that's that's not Chris Beard's forte, right? As much as we as much as we're harping on the offense, I do think there's another level this team can get to defensively. Now, if Trey Mitchell gets healthy, okay, that's you know that's a big plus. Um, and so I think that's probably where it has to happen. Because I just don't. 
I don't, I mean, they're 76th in offensive and field goal percentage, um, effective field goal percentage per Ken Palm. Um, and they're, they're 186 and three point percentage. Like they're just not, I don't know. I'm more confined to this team is what it is right now on offense. And I think the, the improvement has to come defensively, right? They have to work on that. No middle a little bit more. And I always go back to a quote um, from Shaka smart. And I was reminded of it two years ago. I think uh, Westcott Ebert's over at SB nation uh, reminded me of it a couple of years ago where he said, uh, I think it was like during his introductory press conference or like his after, I think it was like his second year or something, Shaka smarts. And he said like, you know, when, when they were asking like, Oh, why aren't you bringing havoc to, to Texas? And he basically said, you need a certain type of mentality to play that more, more or less is what he's saying is five-star kids don't want to press, yes. right? <laughs> like four or five stars aren't going to want to do a, a diamond press in, 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 in full court. So, and I wonder, you know, granted Baylor's getting it to work, right? I know I, I was uh, just Scott, about Scott to say Drew, like, Scott Drew's getting a no middle defense to work, but they're also playing a different offense. That's a little bit more free flowing. That's so it's like a little bit of a, a, of a reward where it's like, okay, play this ugly defense that, you know, clogs the lane and then you can have so much fun on offense. Chris Beard's kind of like, yeah, we're kind of playing ugly both sides, dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, there's no real like reward for playing that style. So I don't know. I feel like Namari Burnett's kind of a, a cautionary tale a little bit to like, that caliber of player playing under Chris Beard where he's like, I wasn't having that much fun. I'm going to go to Alabama, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Texas ranks 35th in offense, according to Kim Palm, 35th in offense, 11th in defense, 356 in tempo. Yeah. And yeah, that's our uh, Texas conversation. Where do we, you want to go to the WAC or do you want to go to Conference USA? Uh, let's go to Conference USA real quick. Well, all I have in Conference USA, well, actually, hold on. Oh. I didn't even have this on the docket. Rice beat UAB last night. What what did we say this whole year? No, no, this no, team was, no. No, no, no. What this team was capable of doing if they got their act together. <laughs> so the crazy thing is, and I didn't watch this game. I'm trying to figure this thing out from UAB people and piece this together, game together in my head. Uh-huh. Rice out-rebounded UAB by 12. Excuse me? Rice. Yeah. <laughs> rice so they got 30 they got 30 free throws in that game That's like nuts. i i have no clue what happened i didn't watch the game all right don't yeah. come here for analysis but mm-hmm. rice just beat a top 50 team in the country pretty much that's what you need to know yeah. after getting blown out by north texas and, and it wasn't like in a in a rice what like they didn't hit like 15 nope. threes or something like that nope. right nope they 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 didn't do anything crazy. They got some free throw on a bunch and they out rebounded them. Yeah. So has rice found a new identity? Is this a new, I hope game? not because I wouldn't bank on that happening again. <laughs> Travis Evie gets to the free throw line 14 times. Malaysia. I can't even say his name. Poteet, this dude who I've never heard of. And I've heard of eight, at least seven or eight players on this rice team before this Poteet guy goes eight of nine from the free throw line, five of five from the field for 18 points. Hey, man, mm-hmm. this was the team that I probably had sold the most and they yes. go out and beat UAB. You've sold them and you've like them. bought them back just to sell them again, like multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> just trolling them. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, there's our Conference USA talk of rice. That's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. North Texas loses to UAB before UAB goes and loses to rice. And then North Texas goes and beats Middle Tennessee last night, 70 to, 60, 70 to 63. Uh, talked about this on my North Texas podcast. The offense just isn't as good as it's been the last two years mm-hmm. uh, with the talent, losing James Reese, losing JV on losing Zach Simmons, losing those guys just really hurts. Yeah. Um, and while the players that have come in, Tyler Perry's awesome. Like he's going to be six man of the year in conference. USA. He's awesome, but it's just, the offense isn't quite there. Like if you look at the Kim sure. Palm, I think they are one fifty in offense where the last couple of years they've been top 100. And so here, let me pull it up actually while I have it. Cause it's actually really crazy that this year in offense, they are 146. Last year, they were 101. The year before that, they were 34 in offense, yeah. which is crazy. So yeah, we'll see um, if they can pick it up. They are still 44th in defense. Awesome defensive team, but 
and still at 357 in tempo. So nothing's changed there. But I did want to shine some light on them for those wondering how North Texas is doing. I still think they are a top three or four team in uh, Conference USA. So we'll see how they how they fare. Oh, trying to think, was there any other Conference USA news? I was trying to think. I UTEP thought... blew the doors off of Southern Miss after after getting their doors blown off. Didn't they lose? They lost a lot of tech. Yep. Yeah. That's so. what it was. Yeah. I mean, everybody's losing. I mean, UTSA just lost a lot of tech Saturday night. So, and UTSA lost just... to Southern UTSA also lost to Southern Miss in a battle of who's the worst team in Conference USA. We I will say, did you see the fun? There was a foul. There was a no call foul in that game. I that don't really. I bad. don't. I saw UTSA people on Twitter about tweeting about that. Guys, you're playing <laughs> Southern Miss. You, you do not. You. I don't give a damn if he hits him over the head with a crowbar. I don't care. I don't. You are the worst team in conference USA. Eat it. You are like. I bet they're down to like three ten in Kim Palm. It's over, all right? I'm, I'm curious how far. You can't they're complain old. about anything. Uh, they're three twelve in Kim Palm. That has to be the lowest rating of a Conference USA team in like years. I don't remember a team ever being that low, Jeez. but I'll look that up later. Like it's it's done. I don't care. So there you go. There's my UTSA take. You're done. Just awful. You're awful. You're, it's like that. It's like the the TikTok audio. You're done. You're done. You're done. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> um. All right. Last or actually, we'll have two more topics. Yeah. Texas A and M. Oh yes. I. I have been a seller of Texas A&M. You've been. I've like, been a very optimistic shareholder. Very optimistic. And now here I am looking like I might have to buy. Join in, buddy. Come on now. After all this time of saying I wouldn't, uh, Texas A&M beats Arkansas yesterday. A game I watched the second half of. And mm-hmm. Arkansas is not a good team. To this point, Arkansas has continued to lose games that I thought that they would win. But they look, yeah, they looked like a team that would be kind of interesting. And then they just, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Arkansas they've lost, lost like what, four of their, five of their last six, basically. Yeah. Five of the last six. They've lost to Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Texas AM in conference play. Mm. And while those teams are good, they are not the top of the SEC by any right. stretch. Right. And so Texas AM had just beat Georgia by two. Like mm-hmm. that is not cause for celebration. Georgia's awful. Right. Georgia's got awful here, but they come back. I'm like, Arkansas surely is going to be AM. And then AM plays a very, very good game and beats Arkansas 86 to 81. And I was really impressed with their guard play. Uh, AM's guard play, that is. Mm-hmm. And I like the balance that they have. I thought they were just playing off each other real well. They were real sharp on offense. Um, you go down the list of players, you have five in double figures and one at nine, Quentin Jackson, Wade Taylor got some run and I thought he looked great. Henry Coleman, Andre Gordon, Tyrese Radford, all these guys, uh, Marcus Williams, they just played off each other really well yesterday. And I don't, like I said, I don't think Arkansas is a very good team. I don't even know where their defense ranks, but Hey, it's a win. They looked good. I'll give them credit where it's due. I, th- I think this one, you know, we've we spent a couple of minutes talking about just like a, a coaching at, at Texas. I mean, this is looking like finally Buzz Williams looking, they look like Virginia Tech basically, right? Where it's, they're turning the ball over defensively. They're getting good shots from three. I believe they're almost 39% from three point range. Um, they're really, they're really clicking on offense and credit to them because me and you looked at this roster and we're like, I don't see a turnaround coming this year. Um and they're looking good. Maybe, I don't know. He talked about, um, if you read our magazine, he talked about like kind of getting his players in and kind of needing to do that over the past couple of years. And I think, yeah, I think he's finally starting to do that. It might not be on paper. Like I, I like Wade Taylor, I think in many of Baseki, I think they're really good freshmen, but like, it wasn't like the, the instant impact kind of guys you would expect necessarily. And I don't know. You lose Emmanuel, you know, you lose Emmanuel Miller and you lose uh, Savion Flag. You're like, all right, well, what's kind of going on here? And they're looking really good. I don't know, man. I Like I said, they're a team that's very intriguing. Granted, they could have a very disappointing loss 
to Ole Miss coming up, right? But I'm still, this is still a team that I'm very intrigued by that could, I think, finish with around 20 wins. And which is something, which is insane considering where I, you know, that's something that I did not expect, but I would not be shocked if this team comes out with 20 wins at the end of the year. I mean, this at the moment, they rank 66th. Yeah. Last year, they were 137. And we talked about their defense before, 63rd. Their offense is up to 83rd in the country. This is, they're figuring things out. Three-point percentage, they're 39% from three on the season. Mm-hmm. I was uh, not expecting that, to so, say the least. They were uh, 29% from three last year. <laughs> yeah, so Buzz Williams, good job. It's, he was, um, he was, uh, he's getting paid the big bucks for some reason. So. Yeah, I will I will buy a little bit, just just a, just a little bit, just to hold me over because they got missed Ole Miss and Missouri the next two games. They could they could win those two and be four in conference before they play Kentucky at home. And um, I don't I still don't think I, the top end of the SEC is still oh sure very scary yeah for, for them. But yeah, good job. They you know maybe he can give Chris Beard some some advice on. Uh, <laughs> Be like, hey, he's gonna tell Chris, be like, hey, don't recruit, don't recruit those five stars. <laughs> right. Look, look at this. See what I'm doing it. here. Yeah. Like, you don't need five stars. <laughs> so or if you do, you, you just do like uh Manny Obaseki and just play like five minutes a game and you'll be yeah. Exactly. He'll be ready in a couple years. Yeah, just wait on. <laughs> All right, last but not least. Well, actually, we have two. I'll touch SM, SMU got blown up by Cincinnati after we got done praising them and being like, yo, this team like could right. be in contention for the American, they go and get blown out on the road at Cincinnati, which awesome. is a tough place to play. But I mean, come on now, SMU, sure. you can't do that. <laughs> so we'll see. Just tr- watch SMU moving forward. And then in the whack, I have this titled Waction, and I want to know why that hasn't stuck. Why has Waction not stuck? But Maction has. Yeah, but why can't whack the whack have their own brand of it? I don't They're know. They're in completely different parts of the country. Maxions in football, and so football, you know, like it's just, eh, I don't know. Football reigns king, and so, you know, if whack, if whack in basketball tries to steal something, it's not going to catch on, so. Hey, if the, if the whack needs a new social media manager, I will Let's tweet action at hey, every try, Whoa, they probably have somebody. You just, you just like threw shots at somebody, right? There. Someone's got to start waxing around here, and it's, <laughs> I guess it's going to be me. So... <laughs> We have some chaos over here. Uh, try to keep up with this, if y'all will. Yeah. Uh, Tarleton beats Sam Houston State. Mm-hmm. Then S- S- Stephen F. Austin beats Abilene Christian. Then Sam Houston beats Abilene Christian. Then Tarleton beats Stephen F. Austin. Yes. And I believe that is the square or however it works of events. Yeah. I don't know where to start, but I will say Tarleton – is Tarleton the king of the whack, at least in Texas? Maybe. Oh, there was one more part of the. It was earlier in the in the in the the little square. Where I guess I don't know. We have Pentagon now. Uh, so Utah Valley lost to Abilene Christian, who then lost to SFA, who then lost to Tarleton. So that was one more little one more tangent involving Utah Valley. Oh wait, no, sorry. And then Utah Valley beat Tarleton. <laughs> okay. <laughs> look, look. There are better teams in in the WAC outside of Texas, like New Mexico sure, sure. State. Obviously. No, but it just shows how like how wild this is, right? Where it's like we're talking about, oh man, Tarleton picked up a good win over SFA. SFA picked up a good win over ACU. Exactly. But then they both lose to Utah Valley. So I was like, wait, what's happening here? Like, what's yeah, yeah. So, go ahead. Yeah, it's no, it, it's it's wild right now. Um, but I agree that I think Tarleton is more or less the king right now, and in, in in the WAC, I think that we mentioned kind of the chaotic basketball they're playing where they're just forcing a ton of turnovers. They're like, I believe they're top 10 or roughly top 10 in the country and forced turnovers. Um, I think they're eighth in steal percentage, which is just nuts. And they're not a great offense. They're not even a great field goal percentage defense, but it doesn't matter because when you force a lot of turnovers, chaos happens and you can just, you can win yeah. games. Play. L- Go back at the, we, t- we joked about that SFA game where it's like, Tarleton had, 50, let me see, SFA had, sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of uh, SFA had 24 turnovers. Tarleton didn't take care of the ball. They had 15 turnovers, <laughs> but you force enough and you, chaos happens and they win in overtime, right? So it, uh, I, I'm so fascinated by this team because one, again, good coach, Billy Gillespie, um, 
clearly knows what his team's strength is and it's just causing havoc and making the game uncomfortable to play for the other team and uncomfortable to watch like if you look at this kin palm yes my eyes are hurting it's, it's a christmas it's, it's christmas it's, it's like red it's like green and red just like everywhere like there's no like there's no like oh they're a great defensive team it's like well no they're good at forcing turnovers they don't really stop people from getting to the line they don't really stop the two they don't it's like they're it's just turnovers that are green and oh. everything else is red is red like they can't they can't defensive rebound they're not stopping people <laughs> from get to the free throw line i don't i this is just absurd. They don't get but blocks. <laughs> who needs it, man? Who needs it? They are, they are the champions of the whack at this moment in time yep. uh, in Texas. Uh, but one team we have to talk about here is Abilene Christian. Um, are are we are, are they fraudulent here? Like, well, that's a big word you're throwing out there. Hey, um, they you can't. I have as a longtime seller of Sam Houston State. <laughs> You can't lose to Sam Houston State at home. That's fair. No, no. It, I mean, back-to-back losses. Um, one of them was a quote-unquote good loss. I, you know, SFA is looking pretty okay this year. Um, yeah, no, it, I mean, yeah, there are some. There are definitely some issues, right? Uh, they're definitely not as locked down as they were last year. Last year, they were straight up, like, we talk about un- making teams unwatchable. ACU made teams un- unwatchable, right? They basically forced teams to be the absolute worst version of themselves in, in uh, and I think the disappointing part is a lot of those guys are back, not all of them. And I think that's part of it, right? Joe Pleasant's not back. Colton Cole's not back. Colton I think Cole's they're, big. and so I think those are huge players that aren't there to where as much as I love Reggie Miller and still think he is probably one of the best defensive guards in the country, you know, it, there's a difference between like, him and him running him like Arian Simmons and you know Cameron Steele switching onto a guy than Joe Pleasant right Joe Pleasant was an undersized forward but he could really he was kind of a a, a mini Mark Vital a little bit right yeah and you have Colton Cole kind of playing that shot blocker in the middle now you got none of those guys right so yeah I mean I don't know. I think this is, I think we were a little more optimistic because they, you know, Brett Tanner promotion from within after Joe Golding leaves, bringing back the guards. I think we kind of underestimated how big the front court was last year. Um, they are now the so, smallest team in the country. Yeah. It's, so, it's like nuts. they're starting, starting lineup against that, against Sam was six foot, six foot, six, five, six, three, six, eight. And then, yeah. and then you look on the bench, there's nobody. I mean, you got, you guy is, is six eleven, but like he played five minutes. You know, everybody else is like six four, six three, five seven. Damian Daniels, you know, so yeah, and it's not going to get much easier for ACU. They now play Grand Canyon, New Mexico State, and Seattle as their next games, all in all very good teams. Granted, I mean, they have a win over Utah Valley, right? Um, yep. I do wonder. I do hope. I I, I kind of wonder I mean, that that the reason why the Sam Houston loss kind of scares me a little bit is because I was. I pictured this team as one that would kind of slap around the bottom of the, Me too. the conference, right? Um, I don't know if, the, if this was just a slip up, maybe, because um, I, I I do think Savion Flag is probably the best player out of those bottom, like out of, out of the bottom team. Savion Flag is probably the best player out of there. So like, I don't know if this was just a case of like, hey, a good player went off um, or what, but it is kind of a, a scary. Uh, a scary result for their, I think, for ACU's floor. Well, they all have to start bowing to Tarleton at this point. Who knew? Yeah, this I, man, I mean, remember those remember those early losses to like Michigan where you're like, I don't know, they looked kind of okay. You were kind of like, Tarleton, is this a little something yeah. here? I mean, they played <laughs> they lost by eleven to Michigan, lost by nine to Gonzaga, lost I mean lost by twenty. I'm looking back on these games like so I'm, I'm looking back at these box scores of those games. So Gonzaga, they forced 16 turnovers. Yeah. Michigan, they forced 21 turnovers. Yeah, I remember. And they forced 13 turnovers. Like they, they just like Billy Gillespie's like, we're just gonna sell out for the steal. If we don't get it, thumbs up, thumbs up forever. Right? Like it's all good, guys. But we're gonna basically make them pay and try to make their life hell, which yep. I respect. Yep. So there's your your wax and talk for the week. 
We should have a weekly action just to see what the hell went on in that conference right. that week. <laughs> the, the Texas triangle, the star of, of competition between those teams is, is fascinating. But that's all we got for y'all today. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and I thought we had some very good conversations there. So uh, we want to get this out to y'all on a Sunday, uh, knowing that there will be plenty of games. There's actually not a lot of women's games today as far as Texas teams go, uh, just mm-hmm. when I skimmed through it. Um, I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but I have it up on my phone right now. And I don't even see North Texas plays Middle Tennessee today. And this is Sunday. But other than that, pretty, pretty empty day. So this was a good day to do a podcast. Good job. There we go. Got our first. Good job. Uh, also, you're giving us a congrats. <laughs> yes, I, you have to. You have to compliment yourself at the end of the day. You don't love yourself. Who will? Right. So <laughs> but thank you all for joining us. Um, you if you're listening on on Spotify, uh, be sure to send it to a friend and follow. If you're listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, let us know what you think of it on Twitter at DCT Basketball. You follow Ishmael on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. And yeah, this is things are starting to heat up. So we'll see how it continues to go. And we'll get y'all with two podcasts a week moving forward. So we thank y'all for listening. We'll talk to y'all later.